It's hard for me to look at you and not think of Abraham Lincoln because, I mean, you told me that that time and then you know how I feel about Abraham Lincoln. So I just look at you and I go, yeah, Abe, it's, yeah, right, no, yeah, okay, all right. Go ahead. Welcome to The Yarn, a School Library Journal production. I'm Travis Yonker. That voice you just heard was author and Abraham Lincoln aficionado, Kate DiCamillo. She and I sat down back in June during the 2018 ALA Annual Conference in New Orleans to talk about her latest novel, Louisiana's Way Home. In this episode, Kate describes the difficulties of writing in first person and how sometimes the writer isn't the one in control of the story. This episode is part of our Unraveler series. In each episode, a book creator will take you inside one of their books. Their inspiration, fears, frustrations, epiphanies, the whole thing pulled apart. It's time to unravel Louisiana's Way Home. The book is about Louisiana Elefante, um, who showed up first in um, the novel Ramey Nightingale. And then when you say, what is the book about? It is truly always the most impossible question for me to answer. And because I'm sitting here talking to you before the book has uh, gone out into the world, I usually don't find out what a book is about until... um, I start to go out and talk to readers, and, I, and I'm not being disingenuous. It's just like that's in talking to people who have read it, I, bit by bit I put it together what the book is actually about. A couple of reviews have come in, and each one of those reviews has given me a, a, like an insight that I didn't have. Um, uh, and so it's that, you know, and then, and then literally talking to kids and adults as they read it, and you figure out what it's about. Because it it's a conversation. Every book is a conversation. In much in the way that you don't know what it's about until it goes out in the world, um, there's also another deeper layer of that where I don't know how it's connected uh, to my own story until I finish it. And so um, there are things that I'm like aware of and kind of like glancing at out of the corner of my eye about why certain parts of it are so loaded for me emotionally and even though it has virtually nothing to do with my childhood at the same time I'm aware on a subterranean level that it has a lot to do with my childhood and those things were hard because there was no point in turning and looking directly at them or else I was gonna like mess it up and make it about me but there are parts um, there's the Florida Georgia state line is where Louisiana crosses over that is a big deal for her and it was a big deal for me as a kid Um, and that that shows up and then there's something that happens with the the curse of uh, sundering which we won't get into because we don't want to give things away but that also hits on something for me I, I think everybody is saying not a sequel but rather the compa- a companion novel is what they're saying it features a character um, that showed up in another book and it's something that you know Mercy Watson um, is a pig that has basically a series that I've done but I've never really done it with anybody from a novel where they've showed up again it's it is new for me to do that I I always have a notebook with me, um, and um, 
I have learned that when things show up repeatedly in the notebook, that there's something there. And this voice of Louisiana's, um, basically with that, can I, can I borrow it for a second, Travis? Um, this opening bit. I'm going to write it all down so that what happened to me will be known so that if someone were to stand at their window at night and look up at the stars and think, my goodness, whatever happened to Louisiana Elefante, where did she go? They will have an answer. They will know that my goodness, whatever happened to Louisiana Elefante, where did she go? That kept that's from the very beginning in my notebooks that keeps on showing up again and again and again. And it's like, OK, well, there's something up and I guess I'm going to have to to answer. It did the same thing that virtually every book does for me, which is I have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, I have the the image or the words that make me start, but I don't. I never know where I'm going, and and I th- I think oh maybe it's going here or maybe it's going there, and this went in a totally different direction again and again. There's a point in the book where um, uh, Louisiana looks up and sees a boy standing on. Uh, uh, the roof of a hotel with a crow on his shoulder and she's surprised and I as the person who I'm writing am probably more surprised I'm like what's this where did this boy come from so yeah so it it went in a much different direction than I thought it would It's odd because for all that I never know where I'm going, I always write in a linear fashion. I never, so I just followed uh, uh, on this journey and, and, you know, bit by bit it comes, it comes out and there are no, I don't double back or do things out of sequence, even though I don't know what I'm doing. Before this book, I would have said the only thing that you take from one book to the next is, okay, I was able to write that book, and so maybe I can write this book. Um, But what is unusual, in addition to the fact that she um, had been in a previous book, it's also the first person. And if there is, because I think, oh, I haven't really learned anything. But when I look back, I think I have learned how fraught first person is and that it's a really dangerous undertaking um, as a writer because that willing suspension of disbelief, if you've got somebody who is um, 12 years old telling you a story in first person, um, the reader has to really, you give up so much if you if you use first person. And so... Um, I was really, really, really reluctant um, to to use first person, and that is the only way the voice would come. So I tried all kinds of different uh, ways of telling it with third person, and it wouldn't work. And so I guess uh, what I learned is I'm not in control. I, at, at the risk of sounding like somebody who um, has a lot of problems <laughs> or at the risk of sounding like somebody who is uh, has their feet um, not planted solidly on the ground, which I do have my feet solidly. I, I can't, there's no way for me to talk about it without sounding slightly crazy. I tap into something, that voice, I can hear it. 
you know, and 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 that's how I know it's also okay to do it because it is so s- strong that um, and I've just I've found my way to to something that seems very alive to me. And so I don't think was this something that somebody would do, or is that that part of my brain is not there at all? She's in charge, and I'm just getting out of the way. Yeah. I do um, uh, journaling in the morning right after I write. And then in the afternoon, um, I'll let myself sit down and read. And I, then I have the afternoon notebook with me. And so then it's much more scattered kind of thoughts that will go in there. And that's where her voice kept on showing up in the afternoon book. And also in the afternoon book is a, a running list of ideas for stories. And so I very much knew where I wanted to go next. But this came and barged to the head of the line. Yeah. I always read those parish review interviews and somebody's going out to the shed and, and working for eight hours and the angels are appearing and, and um, I think I'm a fraud, you know, because I cannot, I don't go out to the shed and the angels don't appear. I work in very small segments and you and I have talked about this before but it's just I I get up um I I do two pages I go and I do um the morning journal I can't do eight hours at a stretch the angels never show up but sometimes a voice will show up this is the happiest time and it's also the scariest time you've done everything that you can do it's like putting it's like that Sharon Olds poem about putting your kid on the bus to summer camp everything that you have given um to the everything you can give to the child you've given everything I've given to the book I can give and now it has to go out into the world and um you just hope that people that it that it it resonates with people Thank you, Kate D. Camillo, for the interview. Thank you, Philip Stead, for our theme music. Additional music for this episode by Mom Plazier from the Free Music Archive. Have an idea for the show? You can contact us via email at theyarnpodcast@gmail.com and visit us online at the School Library Journal website. I'm Travis Yonker. Thanks for listening. <laughs>